Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? That dog does not want to be petted. <laughs> well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. As the coronavirus shut down states, restaurants, hotels, theme parks, and sports arenas all went dark. And that not only created a crisis for those businesses, it created a huge problem on American farms. On farms across this country, there is food that is rotting or going to waste because there's no outlet, there's no place for farmers to market their crops. Jesse Newman covers agriculture. And she's hearing from farmers about scenes of devastation, stuff she's never seen before. Chicken companies have been stuck with too many chickens. So just imagine the amount of chicken that we as Americans eat in restaurants. And so in an effort to shrink their flocks, the company has started breaking eggs so that they don't have to hatch the chicks and then raise them for slaughter. I talked to a major vegetable producer and processor in California, and he told me that his company had to plow under about $30 million of produce since the beginning of the coronavirus. No one knows just how much money farmers have lost so far, but experts estimate losses could run into the billions of dollars. Today on the show... How a national shutdown is leaving behind piles of wasted food and pushing America's farmers to the brink. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Monday, April 20th. Even before this coronavirus hit, Jesse says American farms were struggling. Farmers' profits have fallen by half in recent years. They have weathered years of low commodity prices. They've also been dealing with trade disputes over the past two years that have slashed prices for their products. And so farmers were looking to this year to sort of climb out of the hole that they were in financially. But the coronavirus would make climbing out of that hole even harder. And that's because the virus wiped out demand from some of farmers' biggest customers, convention centers, hotels, restaurants. And that has repercussions for the agricultural supply chain, the system that gets food from the fields to customers. The supply chain starts with a farmer, say, a dairy farmer. Dairy farmers are raising cows, they're feeding the cows, they're milking the cows every day. But after that, when the milk leaves their farm, they often don't necessarily know where it goes. A dairy cooperative markets their milk. Their milk is pasteurized somewhere else. It's turned into cheese somewhere else. Then that cheese either goes to a grocery store or a wholesaler. It's this finely tuned system that gets food from point A to point B fairly fluidly under normal circumstances. But what we're seeing is that that same system can be utterly upended by a shakeup like this that is playing out not just in one or two parts of the country, but across the entire country, across the whole world. And I think we're learning that it's quite tough for the food sector, this 
massive sector of the economy to change how it functions. One obvious way the food system could adapt is if farmers started growing for grocery stores instead of restaurants. The problem with that is restaurants and grocery stores have totally different supply chains. Like, take a cheesemaker. Say they sell to a pizza chain. In that case, the cheesemaker has specialized equipment that shreds and packages cheese into a big 10-pound bag of bulk cheese for that restaurant. To package cheese instead in the zippered 8-ounce bags that grocery store shoppers are accustomed to buying, that would require pretty costly changes in both the packaging and labeling systems and in the equipment. And many cheesemakers just aren't able to shift production like that on a dime. Another problem is that restaurants just buy differently from your average shopper. For example, this vegetable producer that I talked to who grows leafy greens for grocery stores as well as restaurants, when restaurants began shutting down, he was stuck with fields full of conventional spinach that he couldn't sell. And that's because most restaurants, it turns out, use conventional spinach, but organic spinach is much more popular in grocery stores. And so the producer ended up plowing vast amounts of conventional spinach under the dirt because there was no buyer for that product once restaurants and schools closed. The same is true of bacon. So bacon, much more than other pork products, relies on restaurant sales. National chains like McDonald's and Denny's, they're serving far fewer breakfasts. And so prices for pork bellies, which is the part of the pig carcass that is used in bacon, they've collapsed. Even if farmers could sell directly to consumers, those sales might not be enough to cover their losses from restaurants. And looking forward, farmers have more tough decisions to make. In the middle of destroying their crops for this season, they have to figure out what to plant next. It's just a really difficult puzzle right now for, say, a California grower who is trying to figure out how much lettuce to plant to be harvested in 10 weeks' time. And so the questions that they're asking are, will restaurants have opened back up? Will my customers be buying product again? How much will they be buying? Will people even want to eat in restaurants anymore? There's a lot of unknowns. Yeah, it seems like really complicated calculus when we have no idea when the economy will reopen again and when restaurants will reopen. And if a restaurant that used to sit 50 people will now only sit 25. So, yeah, like how the demand profile is going to change. And farming is a long-term business. That's that's exactly right. And it's all gone crazy (laughs) in the short term. And what everyone is trying to figure out is what is going to happen uh, in the long term going forward. So I would say that there are still, there are a lot of people who are doing a lot of guessing. Coming up, what it was like for one Wisconsin dairy farmer who had to destroy her milk. This is everything you worked for, not just that day, but for years. (laughs) It's heartbreaking. That's after the break. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? That dog does not want to be petted. (laughs) 
Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but prediabetes does. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Welcome back. Nancy and Mark Muller have been working on their dairy farm in Greenleaf, Wisconsin for 26 years. We started out in a small, regular family farm with 66 cows when we started. As more cows had calves, we just kept growing. And right now we're up to about 1,000 cows. And Nancy will tell you, taking care of 1,000 cows is a lot of work. All the cows get milked three times a day. So my husband usually goes out somewhere around 5 in the morning. And he usually doesn't come in till 6 at night. My husband's rule is no one on this farm eats unless every cow is fed first. So that might be why he eats for the first time at 6 o'clock every night. At the Muller's farm, they're responsible for raising, feeding, and milking the cows. But they don't have a direct link to the next steps in the supply chain, like pasteurizing, distribution, and packaging. Their connection to that network happens once a day, at the crack of dawn, when a milk truck shows up to collect their milk. But on the morning of April 1st, something happened that disrupted that routine. The guy who drives that truck called the Mullers and said, actually, he wasn't taking their milk anywhere. He just said, which pit do you want to put it in? In other words, he wanted to know where on Nancy's property he should dump all this milk. And honestly, my first thought was, is this April Fool? Because this isn't really funny. (laughs) And my husband went right out there and was like, what are you talking about? And they said, yeah, we have no place for this milk. How much milk was it? It was 56,000 pounds. How much is that? I can't even imagine it. That's like 6,000 gallons. The milk truck driver dumped all of it into their manure pit. I mean, I was shocked. I was just shocked. There is a lot that goes into that milking. We raise calves. We make sure they stay as healthy as possible. We vaccinate them. You do so many things to get the product. And then when you're pouring it out, it's just so devastating. Like, this is everything you worked for, not just that day, but for years. It was heartbreaking. This moment reminds me of what I learned in high school about the Great Depression. Yes, it's exactly like the Great Depression. We murdered six million pigs during the Great Depression when people were starving. We plowed under cotton when people didn't have clothes. And now we're making those same mistakes. What does it feel like to be a living version of it now? My husband summed it up like this. He said, I can't imagine what God is thinking when he sees milk going into a manure pit and people are starving all over our world. I would rather it be 100% donated to something than to do that, than to, to just waste it. A lot of people feel this way. With so many millions of people unemployed, why can't all this food go to the people who need it? Here's Jesse. The answer is that some farms with excess production can and have donated their surplus to local food banks. One California fruit grower that I spoke to, he's donating 200,000 pounds of grapes a week to his nearby food pantries. A Northwest egg farm that I heard from 
is donating enough eggs to local charities to serve over 600,000 meals. So that is happening. But the reality is that many farms have lost their customers and they're struggling financially. And it costs money to harvest a crop, so to run the harvest equipment and to hire the crews. And they can't afford to harvest and process and transport a crop that they can't sell. Has it gotten to the point where they don't even want to plant new crops? Like, are we looking at some of these farms going out of business? You know, farmers and ranchers will tell you that they are resilient. They have weathered a lot of difficult times, and many of them love what they do and hope that they'll be able to figure it out. But the agricultural community is going to look much differently when we come out of this than it does now. There will be people who couldn't survive, and demand is a huge question mark. Nancy and Mark Muller's future also has a lot of question marks. How will they manage their losses? How will they keep their employees paid? Will they have to dump more milk? So what is your biggest fear right now? Whether or not we can make our payments because we owe the bank a lot of money. And we borrowed a lot of money in the last year just to keep up, not to do anything new or anything, but just to keep up because the price has been low. And yet we're responsible. I mean, we have some employees who have been with us almost 20 years. I just want people to know every kind of farming, whether it's pork producing or vegetables or whatever, they're all going through this right now. And how has this moment changed how you and Mark think about being farmers? Mark probably thinks our job is more important than ever. And I'm looking at it as I wish we could just be done. I hate to say that, but I I do. I wish we were out of it. Like, I wish we were done sometimes because it's like, why do we want to keep doing this? It's like when you chop your last row of hay and you put it in the bunker silo. It feels really good. Like, it is full for the winter and it's a good feeling. And now I'm just not feeling that. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not seeing all the good in it that it can be. That's all for today, Monday, April 20th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We come out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.